Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. with you this morning, um, particularly if you are joining us for the first time. We're happy to have you. Um, maybe you came on the back of Single in Lagos or on IG, you saw a post or it was FAQs. We're really happy to have you. And we'd love for you to um, not rush off after the service. We'd love to get to know a little bit more about you. So please stay back, um, chat with someone and let's, let's get to know each other. And so you may have been wondering, um, I like this church. Or maybe I don't like this church. Um, what was what's different about them? What's special about them? Well, let me just let me just tell you the answer, right? The what's special about us, which isn't really that special um, about us, is that we make a big deal about the gospel. Like we want to be a church that is centered around the gospel, the goodness of what God has done decisively, finally, ultimately, in the person of Jesus Christ. Because we believe the gospel is like a diamond. You keep changing it. You keep seeing different glories. You keep seeing different ways in which it applies to all of life. And so that's what we were about as a church. And so the last few months, really, we have been looking at the book of Galatians, just seeing how the gospel speaks to everything, how the gospel should transform our lives as people who live in 21st century Lagos. And so Dami showed us last week that the gospel actually liberates us. The gospel sets us free. It makes us people who were previously slaves, but now are children of God. Like the best news in the world. But if you're like me, and like Dami, I think, you forget that. Like you, you, you need reminders. Stuff happens, you get in the car, you just had a fantastic time with the Lord, question mark, in the morning as you head out. And you get on Third Milan Bridge and everything just goes south from there as you start your work week. Or you have this boss who is constantly breathing down your neck and it's just like, man, what, what kind of place am I living? What kind of work am I doing? Right? You need reminders. And even in life, we, we all need reminders sometimes just to kind of reset our brains, our minds around who we really are and what we're about. So particularly if you're sending off your kids to... Um, Boarding school, secondary school, you've trained them all through primary school. And now they are going to secondary school. You do the shopping, you do all the buying of socks and sandals and different sets of school uniforms because you know that, especially if he's a guy, he's going to get it lost or he's going to get dirty or something. But there's also something you tell them. You sit them down and say, don't forget who you are. And it was the same for me when I was going to secondary school. My parents did the same, shoved, did all of that, and then sat down and then, you know, spoke in all this flowery language and many words about don't forget who you are. But I had my grandparents alive at the time. My grandpa is dead now. My grandmother is still alive. But both of them were alive at the time. And so both of them came and did it the old-fashioned way, the way it's meant to be done. And then they sat me down. The first words out of my grandmother's mouth was, remember whose child you are. No, actually, she didn't say that. She said it in Yoruba, because Yoruba carries more weight. She said, Roti, Omeni, Ti, Wanshe. 
Um, for those who don't understand, may the Lord give you the gift of interpretation of tongues. But the point is, there is a way that you are meant to head. There's, there's a path that we've trained you on. As you go to school, we know that you are going to face many challenges. You are going to face different kinds of people, different pressures to do different things. Don't forget who you are. But as a sinner that I was and am, um, I forgot. Particularly when you are getting into the senior class, like different things just happen. You start growing small, bare, bare. You feel like you are a grown man. Start carrying shoulders up and stuff. So there was really a period between rounding of just three SS, SS1 that was a bit rough. And like almost every other week, the people who were keeping watch over me, my guardians, were constantly telling my parents, ah, this child, this, that, 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 that. And so my parents, they had had it up to here. And so my, my dad is one of those people that you'd really prefer that he beats you, not talk to you. Um, because he's the kind of person that... So one day when I was, when I was a lot younger, he, um, I lied. He asked me a question and I lied. And man, he just went on about how I've sinned against the Lord, I've sinned against the Holy Spirit, and I've done all these bad things. I, like, I, I felt like I'm going to hell. Like, I, like, God, please forgive me. So he's one of those people. And so what he used to do then, this was before everybody had cell phones, he was always writing letters. And even now, like, if I feel like I'm losing sense more, like, those letters still help me. Like, I go back to them and reset my head. And so he wrote me a letter. And then he writes all these long things about this is how we've trained you. This is who you are. Like, you're not meant to behave this way. And then he puts a picture in the letter. When I was a lot younger, I says, this is who you are. Don't forget who you are. And that is something of the emotion going on in this passage. You see, when, when um, the, the scripture was being read, we're seeing all these things. Paul talking about, I plead with you. I'm, 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 I'm perplexed about you guys. What's up? What's going on? Paul is anxious that these people remember who they are because he knows that they need some reminding. And if you're honest here too, those of us in this room, we need some reminding. We need the constant boost all through the week, not just the good news we heard last week. We need something to constantly remind us about who we are. And so today's sermon is titled, Remember Who You Are. And we see three things that Paul is eager to get across to these people um, in this passage. He says, don't forget who you are. Remember who you are, but remember whose you are. And so the three points are forgetting who you are, remembering who you are, and remembering whose you are. But before we go ahead, let's just ask the Lord for his help. Lord, we sang that song about how you are the word of God that can speak to us. Lord Jesus, is the best news in the world that you are the word of God made flesh. But Lord, you have also given us the word made text. Lord, as we look into your word now, Lord, we pray that you help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to see all of its beauty, all of its glory, so that we can become the people that you called us to be. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God and Redeemer, to which we all say, Amen. So the first one, forgetting who you are. Now, remember that the Galatians were um, people who were both Jews and Gentiles, who were scattered across the region, and Paul had been writing to them. Paul had planted these churches. Paul had evangelized them. And so they had become Christians from previously pagan background. 
And so Paul says to them in verses 8 to 9, he says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And Paul is saying that when they were following those gods, those false gods or those false forces, they were actually in bondage. And like Dami showed us last week, But Christ came and then liberated them and set them free. But these people, because of the influence of the false teaching and false teachers that they were under, Paul says that they were tempted. They were being lured back to those gods. But it wasn't just a going back to what they used to know. It was actually a return to slavery. And Paul says ultimately that every time you forget who you are, who Christ is, and who God has called you to be, you are forgetting who you are. And we see three ways in which the Galatians were tempted to do this. You remember last week, Dami said to us, he, he talked about status anxiety, and he said, he, he, he read that quote that said, we are anxious about our place in the world because our place in the world determines ultimately how much love will be offered. It's just a powerful thing to see. But the Galatians, it wasn't just status anxiety that, that the Galatians were suffering from. There were three other things that we see in this text that they were lured by. Paul says that they were concerned, we see in verse 10, about special seasons, special dates, special months, special years. Paul says in verses 13 and 14 that there was a tendency for them to be tempted about the the illness that he had. But he said also that there was a special circle that was luring them in verses 17 to 20 that wanted to divide them. And so let's look at these three things briefly. I call the first one a special calendar. And so you see in verse 10, Paul talking about, again, the, the special season that these people were lured by. And he's speaking to the fact that both under the Jewish religion and also under pagan religions that the non-Jews came from, there were feasts, there were things that were built around special events. And so it was at this time that a certain God was more predisposed to hearing your prayers than at other times. If you wanted your crop to be bountiful, you had to pray at a certain place. You had to do a certain thing so that the God who is in charge of rain would actually bless you. And Paul says that these people were tempted to observe a special season, to observe a special calendar. Not because they were rejecting Christ, but it was just something that they were familiar with. Something that, you know, could assure them of the fact that God was was disposed to them, that God cared about them, that God was concerned about them. And Paul says, anytime these people do that, anytime Christians are concerned about special calendars, that they are forgetting who they are. Now in this room, I look across this room, I don't see anybody wearing a white agbada and um, white cap or a, or a woman with um, white wrapper tied around their waist. Most of us don't, most of us are not you know, we don't come from pagan backgrounds anymore. Most of us are second, third, fourth generation Christians, or at least people in our family no longer believe in those things. But the truth, friends, is that we are often tempted to observe special calendars. And in a city of this size, one of the things you hear oftentimes is just how stuff like your first salary belongs to God. And It is not just that you can do that as a demonstration of radical commitment to God and radical generosity to God's people. No, no, it is that 
This is the way, if you are going to be blessed in life, you are going to be set for life, you must give your first salary to God. Or not just that, if you start a new job, or if the year is just starting, no, you have to give all of these things to God so that you can earn a good spot before God. And Paul says, anytime we believe stuff like that, anytime we teach it, we are forgetting who we are. Or maybe for some of us, it is stuff like midnight prayer. Like there's a, there's a special time that God actually hears our prayer. Like if you are not praying at a certain time, ah, your prayers will not be answered because you know that the witches start flying at 12. So if you, if you, if you don't, in fact, that period of 12 to 2 is really like warm up. They don't start flying until like 2 a.m. So you have to make sure that you out, out, you, you outlive them in the prayer so that your prayer is robust, is strong enough and can go to heaven. Paul says, anytime you believe stuff like that, not just as a marker of this is how I'm devoted to God or I'm disciplining my flesh or I'm cultivating intimacy with God, but it is a marker of this is how I can impress God. Paul is like, nope, you're forgetting who you are. But sometimes for some of us, it's stuff like, we just, we just believe numbers have meaning. And like, today is the fifth day of the fifth month and there are five people who are coming, but because five represents grace, Man, like, I just have to tap into the grace that this is the day that God has made. And so we teach stuff like that. Not, in fact, we teach stuff like that, like, this is the way. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be really deep in Christ. Paul says you have forgotten yourself, forgotten who you are. Some of us make a big deal about our zodiac signs. I'm a cancer. <laughs> I'm a spider. <laughs> like this is, this is what it means for me. This is, this is how I get a sense of my identity, a sense of my value. And so like this special calendar, this special time, this special season is one of the markers of how close I am to God. Paul says, you're forgetting yourself. You're forgetting who you are. But you see, for them also, it wasn't just that they were lured by special calendars. They were also lured by special circumstances. In verses 13 to 14, Paul talks about an illness that he had. Like, this, this is mind-blowing, right? Like, he had an illness. And you know there's illness of, like, I have stomach ache. Like, man, it's really terrible. And everybody's like, hey, sorry, sorry. Then there's other kinds of illnesses that you can have, and nobody even wants to be around you. That's what Paul had. Because we know in, in verse 13, Paul says that they, they could have treated him with contempt. That he was so sick, like they could have distanced themselves from him because of what, what he had. And we don't know what the illness was. There are all kinds of theories. There's a theory of maybe because he planted these churches, we see in Acts chapter 14, and on the back of that, he was stoned and almost left for dead. Maybe he had some kind of physical ailment that always followed him throughout his life. And so he was unsightly to behold. But then there's also another theory that, oh, he talks in verse 14 about how they could have given their eyes to him. And so maybe he had this very ugly eye illness that could have made him someone like, you don't want to have anything to do with. We don't know what it was, but here's what we do know. Paul had some kind of ailment that was challenging. And sometimes, friends, as Christians, 
we are tempted to believe that what it means to know God or work with God is that everything in life always goes well for us. That we don't have challenges, that we don't have any difficulties. Like you wake up in the morning, there's no traffic. It's a sign of God's favor and blessing on you. <laughs> you step out, everybody likes you. It's a sign of God's favor and blessing on you. Your boss looks like, like ah, ah, this salary that we just, yeah, we just promoted you last month. I don't like it. I'll give you a personal stipend. It's just a sign of God's favor and blessing on you. Like you always have money in your account. Your car is always the best. Everything is always going well for you. Your children are always the best behaved. Everything is working out for you because through these special circumstances, that's how you know that God is for you. Paul says if you believe that, you are forgetting who you are. I'm not saying we can't trust God for healing. God does radical healings. We see this through the life of Paul and the life of the church. This same person who was having this illness is the very person who will pray for people and they will come back to life. And God still does that today. Amen? Amen. But the truth, friends, is that we are not loved by God because of how well or, or, or how unwell things go in our lives. We are loved by God because of what he has done decisively in the person of Christ. Anytime we begin to look out for special circumstances as signs of God's disposition to us, we are forgetting who we are. But then we see also that these people were tempted to believe in a special circle. Paul says in verse 16 that he had told them the truth and now it seems like they don't want to have anything to do with him again because he's told them the truth. And so they are lured by these other false teachers who on the one hand look like they are zealous for these Galatians. But ultimately, what they want is for the Galatians to actually be about them. They were trying to divide the church. And you see, friends, that there's all of that across our city. And maybe some of us, even in this hall, you're like, I like Dami's preaching better than Emmanuel's preaching. <laughs> actually, I like Dami's preaching better than Emmanuel's preaching. But maybe that's not how it's working for us. But the fact that some of us are divided along political lines... You still haven't forgiven the people that voted for that person in the last election. <laughs> Some of us are divided along class and wealth lines. And the truth is, it's not always the, the wealthy who are looking down on the poor. Sometimes the poor also look down on the wealthy. Because, of course, if you have a lot of money, you're an arrogant person and you don't care about people. Paul says, anytime we believe in a special circle, we are forgetting who we are and who God has made us to be in Christ. See, the truth is that everybody makes a big deal about followership. We look at our IG account, 5,000 followers. Oh, cool. I put out this post, 3,000 likes. Cool. And we measure ourselves by all of these things. But there's really little or no leadership. Because you see, what the Bible shows us ultimately, Paul says here that Christian leadership, belonging to the community of God, is not about making much of yourself or making people like you. It's about making people like Christ. And Paul says, anytime you believe in a special circle, you are tempted to follow a special circle, you are forgetting who you are. And Paul says in verse 9, he says, do you wish to be enslaved again? And friends, that's the question before. It says, do you wish to be enslaved again? Because anytime we follow them, they don't have ultimately what, what we need to be free, to remain free. They actually lure us back into slavery. So the question for you today, friends, is where are you forgetting who you are? 
Where are you forgetting who Christ has made you to be? Or better still, let me flip the question. Where are you forgetting who God is? Because the truth is that we only know ourselves in relation to how much of God we know and how much of that that has transformed our lives. You see, the people who believe in a special calendar, they are underestimating and they do not know the power of God. They feel that by doing something at a special season, at a special time, they can actually help God to do what God wants to do. The people who are looking at special circumstances, they do not know the goodness of God, the kindness of God, and how much God is disposed to us as his children. We have a God who constantly watches over us. The Bible tells us that he counts our tossings. And even when things don't go well in your life, God is so great and, and, and gracious and good that he's able to work all of those things out for your good. People who believe in special circles or people who believe in special persons are people who are underestimating what God has done in the person of Christ in dividing the wall of hostility that previously had us in different camps and how much he has adopted us into his family and made us one in the person of Jesus Christ. So the question is, where are you forgetting who you are? Or better still, where are you forgetting who God is? But the second thing Paul shows us is remembering who you are. Remembering who you are. And so we find Paul pleading with these believers in verses 12 to 13. He says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me. For I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And on the one hand, this actually sounds a bit... Um, conflicting because Paul is saying, don't be like these people. They're actually luring you away. But then he's saying in the same breath, be like me. So what's the difference? What's, what's Paul getting at here? You see, remember that in verses 8 to 9, Paul had said that when we are lured away by false gods or false teachings, that they're actually weak and miserable things. They cannot slave us. They, they, they cannot save us, rather, they enslave us. But here we find that Paul himself in verse 13 was someone who was weak, someone who had an illness, and yet in spite of that illness, he was able to preach the gospel to these Galatians. What's the difference? The difference is that the gospel produces a kind of strength that even though you are weak, even though there's stuff about you that, that, that isn't going well, that is miserable, and everything is, is not going as you've planned, God is at work in such a way that the gospel produces strength in your life to always remind you, affirm who you are as God's child. Friends, listen to me. Anytime you believe in false gods, anytime you trust in something else, either as a supplement to the gospel or as a substitute for the gospel, you are ultimately going down the path of weakness. It is only in the gospel of Jesus Christ that you find strength to be who God has called you to be. But how do we develop this strength? How do we become the kind of people who are strong? You see, there's, um, in the office, anytime we have to carry stuff, heavy stuff, there's somebody all of us know has to be on that team. And there's somebody all of us know is not going to be on that team. Tomiwa is not going to be on that team. But Olaiton is always on that team. 
right? If you don't know Alaiton, Alaiton is the guy who helps um, with our videos. Now, if you see Alaiton, you know why. Like, the guy is broad-chested, he has big arms, like, he's just, he looks like he's going to just, if you annoy him, he can just carry you up, right? Turn, um, like Johnny Bravo all over the place kind of thing. But how did Alaiton become that way? He wasn't born like that, just saying, in case you don't know. He wasn't born that way. I've seen old pictures of a light on where the guy is, is just as skinny as can be. So how did he become that way? Well, he ate. <laughs> and he exercised. He ate and he exercised. You see, physical strength is a function of your diet and how much activity you actually do. You're, you're exercising. And similarly to that's how gospel strength comes about. Many of us are weak. Like, weak. Like, it just remains small for the devil to slap you. <laughs> Many of us are weak because we are not meditating on the gospel. The power that is inherent in the gospel. And those of us who are meditating on the power that is inherent in the gospel, we are not doing the things that the gospel requires us to do. And so we find that gospel strength is the result of gospel meditation and gospel action. You breathe in, you take in the word of God, and you act in accordance with the word of God. Let me tell you, there's, there's, there's no formula, guys. There's no formula to being a mature Christian, apart from this. You see all those people that you say they pray, and God answers their prayer, and you, you pray, and God doesn't answer your prayer. That, this is a difference. Taking in the gospel, meditating on the riches of the gospel, meditating on what God has promised, what God has said, and then acting in line with that. And we see that here in this passage. You see, in verse 14, Paul says that even though he was ill and the Galatians could have treated him with contempt, they didn't do that. Why? Look at verse 14. He says, And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I was Christ Jesus himself. The Galatians reflected on the fact that, man, Christ has... Christ has died. Christ has united us. God has sent a message. God has brought someone to us. So the, the, the effectiveness of the message is not so much in how the messenger looks. It is it's in the message that he's carrying. And so they receive him and they welcome him and treat him well. And so they have, even though it was a temptation and a trial for them, they have the strength to be able to stand against that temptation because they meditated on the gospel and then acted in line with the gospel itself. Paul says in verse 13 that he was weak in his body, like he had an illness like we've talked about. But yet it was on the back of that illness that God was able to work in such a mighty way to plant this church. How did that happen? Well, 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says that he was praying and asking God to take away this thorn in the flesh, this condition that he had. But yet God tells him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul meditates on this. And in verse 10, he says, all the more I will gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, he meditated on the gospel and he acted in line with the gospel. Do you want to see God's power work in your life? Do you want to see yourself becoming the kind of person God has designed you to be? Meditate on the gospel and act in line with the gospel because there's no other way it comes about. But you see, just like physical exercising, we don't like, 
we don't really like this kind of spiritual exercising. Why? Because it is sweaty and it gives us injuries. It's sweaty. Like, it's hard work. Be carrying one bell for just a long time, just carrying, carrying, be sweating. Like, you can't see anything. Like, what was this? But then it also gives us injuries. Like, you know if you are going to carry this stuff, you are going to feel weak for a little while. Your arms are going to feel sore. I know that's just the same thing spiritually as well. Like it's hard work. How do you cultivate spiritual strength? You spend time praying. You spend time reading your Bible. Oh, coming to church, GC. Oh, I'd rather watch Netflix. But then injury as well. Like, okay, yes, now I've spent time meditating on the word of God. God says I should be kind and generous to people. But then this guy that I gave some cash last week, he's coming back again for more money. Can you imagine? Because I made myself humble to this person in GC. See how the person is talking to me. Don't they know who I am? And so we want to distance ourselves away from that. But what we find here is that there is no other way. Gospel strength that God uses to remind us of who we are in him comes as a result of meditating on the gospel and acting in line with the gospel. So let's try to apply this to three areas quickly. So anger, for instance. Now, there was a sermon Dami preached in, in Jonah. Like, if you think you don't have an anger problem, let me just break it to you. You have an anger problem. And it doesn't have anything to do with Lagos. Actually, it doesn't have as much to do with Lagos as you think. <laughs> let, me, let me quickly rephrase that. But the truth is that why do we get angry? We're angry ultimately at the root. We're angry because things haven't gone the way that we want it to go. Like you have told somebody to do something a million times. Like I've given you the same instruction. I'm like a broken record. Like why do you have to do this thing again? But the person does it. You're angry. You're frustrated. Like you decide to be a good wife, and then your husband just, like, he's in one of his moods, like, he doesn't have time. You're angry. You're not making time for you and the kids. So, meditating on the gospel, you decide to meditate on the gospel, and you begin to see, men. I'm chosen by God. I'm chosen by God, not because I'm always good. Actually, I, always, I, I sometimes frustrate God, but God is not frustrated with me. God is patient with me. You're meditating on the gospel and you see, man, God is patient with me. But even then, God has given me his Holy Spirit and the people around me to begin to convict me, to show me ways I'm not like Christ so that I can be like Christ. You're meditating on the gospel and you're seeing God's ultimate chief end in my life is so that I can be like Christ through the circumstances that I face. Hmm. You're meditating on the gospel and you see like, yes, 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 I can be angry with people. But James says that my anger cannot produce what God can produce. So I can change people. I can manipulate people, but I cannot change them. You're meditating on the gospel and you see that and you see that. And then you decide to act in line with the gospel. Okay. Maybe next time I'll be slow to speak. Maybe next time I'm going to actually ask this person like, what did you mean by that comment that you made? Were you, were you trying to insult me so that I can understand whether my anger is proportional or not? Maybe next time I'm going to just find out good ways, gentle ways of critiquing the person and confronting the person. You see, as you are reflecting on the gospel, the gospel begins to produce actions that over time 
You see the strength of God building. And then you see, oh, I used to be angry in this way before. I'm no longer angry in that. Or maybe fear of failure. All of us in Lagos, we have fear of failure. Like, hey, I'm living in Lekki now, in a three-bedroom apartment. I'm supposed to be going forward, not backward. Why will I go to Aja? If we in Aja want to, don't want to go to Shongote, though. All of us want to actually make it big. All of us want to blow. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of our kids flunking in school as though it says something about us. We're afraid of just all that's going on. I want to be people who are successful. But you see, as we are reflecting on the gospel, we begin to see, hmm, I'm not ultimately what I do. I'm not ultimately what I accomplish. I'm who God says I am. I begin to reflect on the gospel and you see, man, because of Jesus, God is always for me. So that even though circumstances are not always in my favor, God is working them around in such a way that he's going to bring something out of it. You are reflecting on the gospel and then you begin to see like, man, God can help me. God has actually given me his Holy Spirit so that he can help me, teach me, guide me. He has given me a community of believers, not just to help me spiritually, but with this thing I'm struggling with financially, my business, God has given me people as well. And you are reflecting on the gospel and you are seeing that, oh, he says he will never leave me or forsake me. I'm actually never helpless. And then you begin to act and say, okay, because of this, what goals and plans can I set in place so that I can actually be the person that God has called me to be? Do I need to be patient? Maybe not buy that thing or that car today or that house and just trust God for the next few years down the line and make some investments so that I can be generous and steward all the things that God has given me. Do I need to take some courses so that I can be the person that God has called me to be in this area and also encourage other people as they journey along in this path? You see, meditating on the gospel plus action produces strength. And so over time, you begin to get less and less fearful of where you're headed in life, even though things economically may not look like it. Last one, sexual temptation. 99.9 of us struggle with this. Whether you're married or single, like you're married and, ah, man, like, there is that other person that you've been seeing that is attractive. Like, your wife is, my wife is beautiful, low, but ah, look at that other person. Hmm. Or maybe you are somebody who is single and you've been dating, you've been dating this person. And really, next month is your wedding date. Be like, yes, I know, but we love each other. We're going to marry each other. Like, or maybe there's actually nobody. And you're tempted to indulge sex toys or watch pornographic sites. And all these things are real for you. But then meditating on the gospel, you discover that, hmm, my body is actually not mine. My body belongs to God. Christ didn't just die to save my heart or my spirit. Christ died to save every part of me. Oh, wow, wow, wow. But God is not against my pleasure. God is actually disposed to me having pleasure. That's why God has given me a sexual appetite. Wow. But then because I'm God, 
I cannot indulge in sexual immorality because this is God's temple. I meditate more and more and more on the gospel and I discover, okay, it's hard. But I'm going to avoid things, for instance, that are going to fuel my lust and lead me down a certain path. I'm going to cultivate deep friendships, people that can actually hold me accountable, people that I can confess to so that they can help me along this path that I'm journeying on. I'm not going to put myself in a certain place or dress a certain way because I'm trying to attract people. Rather, I'm going to trust God and trust his word and trust his timing for how he's leading me, you see. Gospel strength comes as a result of meditating on the gospel and acting on the gospel. Friends, anytime we find ourselves weak in any area or anything, it's because we're not cultivating the strength that comes from the gospel, from reminding ourselves, from remembering who Christ has made us to be. I see Paul tells us in verse 19, he, he, was, he was talking about these Galatians, but it's actually for us. He says in verse 19, he says, labor until Christ is formed in you. I won't lie. There's a part of it that is, is hard work. But ultimately, just like in physical exercise, just like in academic study, just like in any other thing you ever do with your life, the rewards far outweigh whatever efforts you put in. Because you see, friends, our heart, our affections are not like a sieve that you just pour water and it keeps flowing out. No, no, our hearts, our affections, our lives are like a cup that you pour water in and it retains it. And so if you are not putting Christ in, if you are not feeding on Christ, there's something else that is taking hold of your heart. There is something else that is luring you away. And Paul says, ultimately, that thing is weak. It is not strong. It cannot bear the weight of your desires. It cannot bear the weight of your, affect, of your affections. Remember who you are. But the truth is, brothers and sisters, that it is not just enough to remember who you are because sometimes, like even when you know who you are, like you look around, like there's no difference between what you are doing and what other people are doing. And Paul shows us here that we need to remember whose we are. You see, the truth is that actions by themselves do not mean much. Many of us here know non-Christians, people who, like if you compared their life morally with yours, men, they, like they dust you. You can't even see their brake lights. They are gone. And if you're a non-Christian here and that's what you think I've been saying or that's what people around have been telling you, like just do this thing and do that thing. And you say to yourself, no, I don't want any part of it. True, please don't have any part of it because that is not the gospel. That is not what Christ brings to us. You see, the Bible calls us to do stuff, but it only calls us to do stuff on the back of what God has already done for us in Christ. The Bible tells us to become certain people, but it only does that on the back of who God has made us to be, friends. It is not just enough to be people who do certain things. It is more than vital that we are people who are known by God. And if you are not a Christian here and you, and you think you are trusting in your good deeds, that somehow on the day of judgment or when you stand before God and you stack up your good deeds... That your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds and somehow God will let you in. I have bad news for you. You see, you're like somebody who has a private jet and decides, I want to go to America. I like Hawaii. Like I've dreamt about the sun. 
I've dreamt about like just the vacation, the relaxing experience I will have on the beach. Like just everything is blissful. And then you hop in your private jet with your babe. And then you guys land in Hawaii. But then, oh, you forgot there's something called a border. And then you get there like, yes, I'm wearing this fine printed short sleeve shirts with um, short sleeve shirts with, you know, shorts. I'm wearing slippers, I'm wearing a hat like people in Hawaii do. And I can speak with an American accent. Of course they will let me in. We all know they won't let you in. Why? Because you don't have the passport, you don't have the visa. And see, when you're a Christian, what God does, not because of anything that we, that we can do in and of ourselves, what God does is that God gives us the visa. And he says, this is how you actually enter. This is how you actually have God's affection set upon you in Christ. We are not people who are cooking up stuff to earn a spot before God. We are people, rather, who God has welcomed in, and now we can be his children. And Paul says that in verses 8 to 9. Paul says, formerly, when you did not know God, formerly, when you did not know God, formerly, when you were doing your own things, formerly, when you were walking down a certain path, formerly, when you were just engaged in all kinds of stupid things, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods, but now, but now, but now that you know God, he says, no, 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 scratch that, but now that you are known by God, Friends, the good news is that God knows you. God knows us. This is what it means to be a Christian. You say, oh yes, God knows everything. Yes, God knows everything. But there's a way God knows those who are his that he doesn't know other people. Romans 8, 28 to 30 gives us a picture. It says that God looks down into time from eternity and he says, no, I want that person. I want Dara, I want Dami, I want, I want Tommy, I want these people with all their faults and blames. I want them not because of anything they have done, but because of my own grace at work. But no, no, it doesn't just stop there. The Bible tells us that those whom he predestined, he called in time, and he has set us on a path towards becoming like Christ, such that we can say, regardless of how things are working out, God will always bring good out of it. God is at work in such a way, even now in the present, that things may have happened to you in your past. You, have, you may have grown up like messed up like, and it's affecting you even now. Or maybe you've taken a bad business decision and it set you on a bad track. Friends, God is at work because he knows you. He's at work in such a way to turn it all around. But do you know what's even better? It doesn't stop there. The Bible tells us that he gives us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee of what is yet to come. He's enabling us. He has called us to travel a certain track, but he's enabling us along that path by his Holy Spirit, by his Holy Spirit's power to ensure that you get there. God knows you, friends. God knows you, friends. That is our highest hope in this life, that God knows us. See, there's a man I met once. Not this one. There's another one. This one. No, actually, I didn't meet him. I almost met him. Um, so I had I had a dream. Like, if you don't know, that's Kofi Annan. He was the fifth Secretary General of the United Nations and the first African to ever hold that position. And the first African since then. 
well, sorry, the first black African since then. Um, ever told that person since then. Anyway, so I had dreams of becoming a diplomat. So I, you know, I, I invested in that dream. I was invested in it. I went to a school that was a hub for it, um, in a city that was a hub for it. And so we had this panel um, where people just came and he was on the panel where people came, lots of very important people, dignitaries. And so they, after they presented, they asked for questions. And I asked the question, I, like, I must be honest, like, it was a good question, it was, it was a bright question. I was impressed with myself after asking the question. So, um, but then as a, there was a, there was a reception for them after, the stuff went well, it ended, there was a reception for them after, and then stuff ended, I went home. And then I was hearing the next day, like, Emmanuel, where were you? Kofiana was asking after you. Like, wow, God, says I just miss you in job. <laughs> but then, who cares? I met Pastor Femi after, so like... <laughs> but here's the point. Just imagine, imagine, imagine for a, imagine for a moment that I actually met Kofiana. And Kofi Annan, you know, connection somehow, I got into the UN system and he became like my mentor, like we became very close. The best I can have with him is a professional relationship. He died a few years ago and um, none of his co-workers were in his will. But there's someone else. Like her dad decides he's going to take them shopping, like, like, I just love my daughter so much. And so their dad decides to take them shopping. And what does he decide? Like, all of us, I love my kids. Let me buy them a pair of Nikes. Let me buy, let me buy them new, new clothes for school. <laughs> he loves his kids so much, he decides he's going to buy them just, you know, a small car that they can play around with. $218,000 plus. Like, when she put this on, on Twitter, like people were like, oh my God, like, ah, I can marry you. I can do anything for you. I can sweep the floor. Let me be your, let me be anything for you. But just imagine that for a second. Like, Femi Tedela is a very generous person. He helps people. Let me tell you what his generosity doesn't touch. Generosity doesn't touch what, how he treats his children. And this is Femi Tedela when everything is okay. Imagine if one of his children had a life-threatening surgery that cost even much more. What would he not give for the child? Friends, you have a closer relationship than with God than Copy has with her father. God has given you everything in Christ. God knows you. God cares about you. God is so involved in every detail of your life. If that does not blow your mind, it is because you have drunk too deeply at the table of this world, feasting on cryptocurrency and how to immigrate to Canada. It is because you have not seen the delight that is in God who owns all the world, who doesn't need anything, who doesn't need anyone, but he has chosen you. see our false gods our false forces that Paul talks about they are weak they are powerless they cannot save us but in God in Christ we have a God who comes to us who even when he is weakest when he's dying on a cross when he's breathing in his last he's calling you home as his own child 
we have a God who doesn't, doesn't just give us anything. He gives us himself in his Holy Spirit to guide us along the path of life. We have a God who invites us in. He doesn't just forgive our sins and say, okay, stay out, out there in the garden. I'm going to make everything good for you. No, no, no. He brings us into his family. He brings us into his house and he says, sit at the table with your mind. When Jesus dies and resurrects and is living and going to heaven, he meets Mary and he says to her in John 20 verse 17, go and tell my brothers. You are welcomed into the family of God. But he also invites us to his table. John 15 verse 9 and 17, Jesus is there with his disciples and as they are, as he's about to end and go to the cross, he says, I call you no longer servants. Because servants don't know anything about me. No, 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 I call you friends. Because now you have been welcomed in and welcomed home. How do you remember who you are? You remember who you are ultimately by remembering whose you are. How do you find the strength to be able to stand strong in the gospel? No, no. You do that by remembering what God has made available to you in the person of Jesus Christ. Friends, we are loved by God. And because we are loved by God, we have the strength to cultivate gospel power that is available to us each and every time. Thank you for listening to The Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.